quite a fashion statement that I would have to say about <laughs> myself. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, Lynn and I did this uh, six years ago, and that video was from six years ago, and Lynn said to me when we talked about doing this again, uh, everybody's already seen that and heard that. I said, well, actually, Lynn, there's about 1,400 new people that have come to the church in the last six years, so they haven't seen that yet. But uh, we've been married 39 years. You're still the one after all those years, and it's been great. We want to talk about that a little bit today. Nick and Lindsay are preaching again over in the auditorium uh, this morning, and they're just newlyweds, so they got nothing to talk about. I don't know what they're going to talk about. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, Lynn and I are going to flip. We'll be over there on the 12th uh, of February, and they'll be coming in here uh, to speak to you guys uh, on that weekend. And, um, you know, falling in love is easy. We've talked about that in the uh, sermon series so far. Uh, I remember, Lynn, when I saw you for the first time, uh, I, I saw you at Lakewood Campground uh, one night late, about 1130, and you walked in with your twin sister, and uh, I was hooked immediately, uh, and I was, I was, I was ready. You know? uh, that's not what, how it happened for me. <laughs> I didn't have that whoa <laughs> thought, but uh, true, you did see me and my twin sister as we applied for the job at Lakewood, but I, I just vaguely remember this guy in the corner <laughs> with a vacuum cleaner, vacuuming the rug. Right. Um, but it wasn't until we started working together, we worked uh, getting campers into campsites, and we worked together in the office. We uh, had fun together, and we became friends. I was in a messy relationship at the time, uh, but came to realize after breaking five dates with you that you weren't going anywhere. And that you were actually still being nice to me. Uh, so after a bunch of long-distance phone calls, a lot of letter writing, which we still have those letters, by the way, I began to fall in love. Yeah, a little context on those five broken dates. It wasn't like, I mean, I drove nine hours, you know, and then, boom. You know, but anyway, that's okay. I forgave you, and uh, it's all good. I don't think he has. I let that go. I let it go. Um, so falling in love was easy for me, but not so easy for you, evidently. It took a little while, right? Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I had to work really hard. Um, but we also talked about in this, in this series that staying in love is messy. Staying in love is messy. Uh, you know, our, our marriage has had some tears. Uh, it's had some smiles and had some great memories. And we've really worked hard over these 39 years. Yeah, um, not only worked hard to build a marriage together, but one, a ministry also that glorifies God no question that our marriage has been a testimony of God's grace, but mostly of his faithfulness to us. 39 years ago, we entered into a covenant with each other. We often hear that word covenant when we talk about marriage, a covenant relationship. A covenant is a binding relationship meant to last a lifetime. And that's kind of, it's not a real popular thing in our world today, uh, the idea of covenant. Uh, the Bible declares marriage as a holy covenant based on God's covenant with us. So 39 years ago, when we, you and I got married in that little Baptist church down in Conway, South Carolina, it became a covenant because we invited God into the relationship. And we asked God to bless the relationship. And God has kept his promise all the way through. We've had some bumps in the road, some, some struggles, but God has been faithful since we began together. Um, you know, this covenant we have with God uh, is based on his love and his faithfulness. When you exercise your faith in Jesus Christ, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, God enters into a covenant with you, enters into a covenant with me. And it's based on his goodness. It's based on his mercy. It's based on his faithfulness. Uh, and it's been ratified by Jesus through his death on a cross. 
So therefore, we have this covenant relationship. And, 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 it's, and it's a promise of blessing. It's, it's a promise of abundant life. It's a promise of eternal life. And so that's the same model in which we enter into a covenant marriage, that we are going to be a blessing for each other. That through God's help, we're going to discover an abundant life together. And Jesus uh, echoed uh, what uh, was written in Genesis 2. We've preached the last two weekends on Genesis 2, where uh, the writer of Genesis describes that a man shall unite together with his wife and become one. And Jesus affirms that in, in Matthew's gospel. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since there are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So the intent of this covenant is for three to become one. You know, we, we talked about the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which we believe in. But there's also this sense of uh, Trinity in that God is in our relationship. That is God and the man and the woman, the husband and the wife. And, and, and the goal of that is that we can become one. Uh, we can become one emotionally. We can become one physically and one spiritually and working on that process. You know, we made an oath to each other. You know, when you got married, uh, when we, Lynn and I got married, we made an oath, a covenant to love each other unconditionally. Uh, in, in, in sickness and in health, uh, through all the suffering, strugglings of marriage. Um, the, a covenant uh, between a husband and wife is about confrontation, and it's also about forgiveness. And again, think about your covenant with God. When you enter into a covenant with God, God is going to confront you, confront me with the Holy Spirit, and, and confront us about things we need to work on. But then he offers us grace and mercy. So Lynn and I, through 39 years, have some, had some times of confrontation, uh, but also from that grace and forgiveness uh, to each other. It's also about blessing each other uh, and helping each other grow uh, to become uh, the man, uh, the woman that God intends us to be. Yeah, I mean, in fact, Jeff, you were the first guy that I ever prayed with together. You were the first guy that I ever had devotions with. For 39 years, we've been helping each other become who God intends us to be. Yeah, I remember that first kiss, uh, Lynn, uh, in case you forgot it. But anyway, that was good. Uh, no. <laughs> So, it was that after we were on your we were on on the porch at your house in Conway, and uh, and uh, not to give away any of my secrets or anything, but uh, but it was after I said a prayer uh, for us, and your head was still bowed. I moved in for my first kiss. Remember that? You so, did. So, 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 uh, yes, you did. So pray, then kiss. Right? Pray, then kiss. Right? All right. So anyway, um, but um, you know the um, the whole idea is, is that today's culture has moved away from the idea of covenant. Uh, and has adopted more of a social contract for marriage. And, and, and it's based on a conditional partnership, uh, based on if, when, or because. And, and if it do doesn't work out, we can break the, the contract. You know, I, I asked the couples that I'm doing premarital counseling with uh, if marriage is a partnership. And it's kind of a trick question because that's the kind of the, the, the understanding in the world today that marriage is a partnership. Um, but to say that marriage is a partnership is to do great disservice to a marriage because a partnership is based on conditions. It's based on if, it's based on when, it's based on because. And if you don't come through on any of these uh, contractual agreements, then our partnership is dissolved. Aren't you glad that God doesn't enter into a partnership with us? Because if God entered into a partnership with us, we would all be sunk. 
because we cannot keep our end of the bargain. So, so we have a covenant with God, a covenant based on his faithfulness and his promises, and then he works with us to become who he wants us to be. So marriage is the same way. Marriage is a covenant, not a partnership. Now, again, certainly we, we're partners and we do things together, but, but you love me, thank goodness, not because I do things, but you love me anyway. Uh, you love me, period. And that's, that's a misconception, I think, in our world today. And one of the reasons that, reasons that marriage struggle uh, and, and divorce is, is rampant because we view it as, as uh, partnerships rather than covenants. You know, th this verse that uh, Don read for you out of Malachi, uh, you cover the Lord's altar with your tears. Uh, you uh, cry and you moan because he does not accept your offerings and is not pleased with what you bring. You ask why, why? It's because the Lord sees how you treated the wife you married when you were young. You broke your promise to her even though she was your partner and you had an agreement with her. God made husbands and wives to become one body and one spirit for his purpose. Now, five times in this uh, chapter, chapter 2 of Malachi, um, he uses the phrase broken promises or broken agreements. And then goes on, God goes on to say uh, through Malachi, uh, he hates divorce. That's a difficult passage. Uh, there, there are many here in the room that have gone through a divorce uh, that are perhaps separated right now or even perhaps thinking about divorce. Uh, what does it mean when it says God hates divorce? Well, the word in Hebrew, hate, means God opposes. Uh, that God opposes or God despises. And, and why? Because of God's character, because of his holiness, and because of his sense of justice. See, these men in, in Malachi were breaking their promises. They were breaking their covenant and divorcing their wives so they could chase after and marry Canaanite women. They basically were, were throwing their wives to the curb so they could chase after these Canaanite women who didn't believe in God, who worshiped idols. And, and God hates divorce because of the pain that causes, because of the brokenness that creates. You know, in biblical times, these women who were being thrown to the curb by their husbands seeking these Canaanite women, these women were ruined, basically. They were ruined emotionally. They were ruined economically. Uh, their, their, their lives were kind of just in a shambles. Uh, they became poor. And many of those women in those days had to turn to prostitution just to make ends meet. So God is saying, I hate when that happens. I hate that these women are being thrown to the curb and these things are happening. I, I believe that God also, also hates the pain and difficulty divorce causes children. You know, Pat Conroy, who's, who's an author here from South Carolina, says there is not a metaphor powerful enough to describe the moment when you tell the children about the divorce. To look into the eyes of your children and to tell them you're changing all those tomorrows is incredibly painful. And think about that. We know that one of the, the painful things and why God hates divorce is the pain it causes children, uh, the, the brokenness to families. I grew up as a child of divorce. Uh, my, my dad and my mom were divorced when I was five years old, and I've not seen my mom since I was five. Um, I can remember the, 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 the chaos that created in my life. Um, my dad remarried when I was seven. Then my dad and my stepmom divorced when I was 14. And I, again, I remember the chaos that that created in my family. Um, thing, everything got crazy. And, uh, and as a 14-year-old, I assumed responsibilities that, I, that probably most 14-year-olds shouldn't, shouldn't have to assume. But in order to make it through that, that's what we did. We did what we had to do. Um, my my uh, dad later remarried and divorced again. Uh, my sister, who's a year older than I am, divorced. 
early in her teens, uh, late in her teens. So before I ever had a serious relationship, um, I had been through three, seen three divorces happen. Uh, and, and, and that has an impact on you. It, 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 it makes you gun shy. It makes you wonder is, hey, does marriage really work? Um, so Malachi asked the question in verse 10, why do people break their promises to each other? It's a great question, isn't it? Why do people break their promises to each other? That's a great question, whether it's marriage or in the church or in friendships or whatever. We, we make these promises. Why do we break our promises to each other and show no respect for the agreement our ancestors made with God? Now, I, can, I confess to you, I shared this with the men at prayer breakfast on Friday, that I really struggled using this passage out of Malachi because I know it's a painful passage. It's a, it's a difficult passage. But the Lord, the Lord convinced me that this is where I want you to go at. You know, and so we landed here. But, the, but he gave me these words here to share with the men on Friday morning uh, as we think about why we break our promises. And, 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 and if you're here this morning and you're thinking about breaking your promise, I want you to listen closely to what Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, these words here. Uh, he says, Paul says, I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. That's great advice. I can go home. We can say that and go home. Will you listen to the advice of the Holy Spirit? If you're married here today, will you listen to the advice of the Holy Spirit? God's Spirit has some words for you today. I advise you to listen to the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong thing your evil nature wants you to do. You see, folks, the reality is that we're, we were, because of original sin, we have an evil nature within us. And we all have dealt with that. We've all wrestled with that. And that evil nature is whispering in our ears the wrong thing to do. And if, I guarantee if you're in a marriage here today, you've heard the Holy Spirit whisper to you wrong, I mean, the evil one whisper wrong things for you to do. You've also heard the Holy Spirit tell you, here's what you should do. And we have this tension, this, 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 this uh, resistance to doing what God wants us to do. Keep going. Look it back up there, the verse. Um, yeah. For we naturally love to do evil things that are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. The, those, these two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to win control over us, and our wishes are never free from their pressures. So, Lynn, here we are. We're sitting up here 39 years into marriage. Uh, the Lord willing, we'll, we'll celebrate our 40th anniversary this year. Um, but we're still a work in progress. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about is we want to finish well. We want to finish strong. But there are still those evil forces and those evil parts of our nature that would, that, that, that would want nothing more than derail this relationship. And we just got to be mindful of that. And, and uh, this is a difficult passage. But, but, but one that God kind of landed us on. Well, it's true in Scripture that God hates divorce, but he loves the divorced. I want you to hear that. It's a great statement, that God hates divorce, but he loves the divorced. So if you've gone through a divorce, know that God loves you and that God has a plan for your life. God has a future for your life. Um, and God has something, something great in store for you. There's grace and there's mercy. So God hates divorce, but he loves the divorced. That's why we're doing this marriage series. We're doing it for us, for us as well, to strengthen our marriages and your marriages, and with God's help, prevent divorce. If your marriage, if you're here today and your marriage is struggling or in trouble, we pray that this series will help you. 
you can reach out to one of our wonderful pastors. We have some great pastors on our staff. Thank you. Thank you. Including you. <laughs> including you're my pastor. Um, so reach out to one of them. Great resource. Also, go see a Christian counselor. We've done that previously uh, in our marriage, and it ha helped us out greatly. If you're thinking about divorce, think about the consequences first. As Trevor mentioned, if your marriage needs to tune up or to get stronger, uh, you know, sign up for the married people's class. It starts February 15th. I, I've got to say, you know, Nick, Nick's expecting, and he and I had a little, uh, you know, uh, we didn't wager on it, but we, he, he said, I'm, we're going to have 300 people there. I said, no way. He says, well, trust me, we're going to have 300 people. So help Nick out. Uh, <laughs> go sign up for the marriage class. We're going to use it, do it in the auditorium. Uh, go to the married class. You know, some people here, you know, uh, have said to me, and, and I understand where you're coming from, uh, who are single, so, you know, I've got one of those marriage series. Um, not going to be there for that. Um, I hear that, and, 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 and we want to recognize that, but also recognize that, that we have a lot of folks here that are married and that we want to reach out to you and strengthen your marriages. And if you're single today, um, then I believe there are principles here that can help you in your relationships uh, and, and whatever the future God has for you. And if your heart is being broken by divorce, uh, again, stop by and, and, and see one of our, our team. Uh, reach out to God for healing. We have some great support groups available for those who are going through divorce. We have Divorce Care for Adults. We have Survive and Thrive for Youth. We have DC4K, which is Divorce Care for Children. We have small groups. We have Sunday school classes. You know, we know this is a challenge for people. And we want to provide these resources to help you find healing and find help and find, find the new direction God has for your life. Um, so just, just seek God's will in that. And, and, you know, just so we're clear today, there are other things that Scripture says that God hates besides divorce. Yeah, and, and we find that in Proverbs. There are other things that God hates besides divorce. Here are six things God hates and one more that he loathes with a passion. He hates eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil plots, feet that race down a wicked track, a mouth that lies under oath, a troublemaker in the family. So if your hearts have been broken today by divorce or death, we want you to know that God has a plan for your life. There are new beginnings for those that have witnessed divorce in their marriages, also death in their marriages. My twin sister, who was married for 31 years, and was single for almost eight years after. She's getting married next weekend. We're gonna go down and Jeff's gonna take a part in the wedding and we're gonna celebrate her marriage next weekend to a really good guy. Some of our best friends are people who have gone through the brokenness of divorce and found happiness on the other side. We all know there will be challenges in marriages. All kinds of challenges. So we want to get into a few of those challenges that we faced uh, together over 39 years. And I'm sure that some of you here can relate to some of these challenges. Uh, a big challenge that Lynn and I had uh, was our past uh, in that we came from totally different backgrounds, uh, totally different lifestyles, totally different parts of the country. Uh, that Kentucky, South Carolina thing going on, you know. Uh, Lynn's got the little South Carolina colors going on today, and I got the little Kentucky color going on. Anyway, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we, we are past are totally different. Uh, and, uh, you know, I described that a little bit about my past and how I grew up in a broken home. Yeah, you did, and we were opposite in that. I came out of a great home. I came out of a wonderful family. 
in the beginning of our marriage and probably throughout our marriage, I really haven't realized how hard your past of brokenness and divorce in your family has had such an impact on you because that, that, that didn't happen in my family. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, our personalities are totally do different and opposite. Those that do know me <laughs> know that we're opposite. But this is not my thing to do, <laughs> to get up in front of you and speak. It's his thing. <laughs> we decided to do this together in order yeah, to... Yeah, I, I, I asked you, right? I, I think you told me. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, I don't remember being asked. <laughs> so uh, I think somebody gave a new word, a new word for Lynn, uh, a volunto voluntold, right? Voluntold. Voluntold, okay. So anyway, but, uh, but you were gracious enough to do this because, um, again, you know, you, what you bring to this conversation, I think is helpful for a lot of women in the church and, and for them to get to know you because, you know, what I do here, what we do, I couldn't do without you. Uh, but our personalities are different. Um, we are total opposites. In fact, through, you know, in, in early in our marriage, we, we realized we were having some, some problems and some challenges. So we went to see someone, a uh, counselor, and they had us take a Myers-Briggs profile. And uh, he said to us, uh, uh, Dr. Joy said to us, he says, I got good news and bad news. Uh, uh, the bad news is you are a total opposite in every way. You have all the dynamite you need to blow this relationship to pieces because you guys, I've never seen a couple more opposite than the two of you are. Uh, that was scary. Uh, but then he said these words, that you have everything you need to have an incredible relationship if you will work on it. And so for the last 39 years, uh, we've been working on it. We're working on our differences and our personalities and things that we like to do. I mean, just like yesterday, we talked about things that you like to do and I don't like to do, and and sometimes I get you to do things that you don't like to do, and and then later on you tell me, I like to do that. <laughs> so, anyway, and I didn't make you say that either, did I? So uh, no. no, I mean, we but we find that middle ground sometimes, and uh, there are times you don't you want to stay home and and relax, and I want to go and. I'll stay home and relax, you know, and uh, so Sometimes. it works both ways. So, but the other big challenge we've had, I know many people in this room can relate to this, is our is priorities, uh, keeping our priorities in the right way. Um, uh, you know, first of all, God coming first has uh, been something we really, really strive to do in our marriage, and keeping God number one, uh, each other number two, uh, and and kids uh, number three, and then career and job and church uh, number four. Um, you know, let me give you, the, again, the definition of an idol. Uh, an idol, again, those Israel, Israel men were chasing after idols, chasing after Canaanite women. Uh, an idol is anything that comes between you and God. An idol is anything that comes between you and God. So let me ask you another step further. It, an idol can be anything that can come between you and your wife or you and your husband. What, what do you allow to come between the two of you? If it becomes more important than your spouse, it's not what God wants for you. So watch out for those idols. And, and certainly one of the priorities for us, Lynn, through the years has been prayer. Uh, you know, there have been some, some, some crisis that we've gone through personally uh, within the church uh, uh, that we couldn't have gone through it without prayer. Uh, there are some times I've come home and, and just been totally worn out and totally whipped and uh, lay on the bed and you would come and you'd pray with me and we'd pray together. And there are just so those challenges that were just prayer. I was talking to one of our men who come to prayer breakfast Thursday. I was at the hospital with him as he was visiting his wife, and, and his wife's been very sick. And, and he said to me, he says, make sure you tell the men Friday morning, thank you for the prayers. But also make sure you tell the men that they should not wait until their wife is sick to pray with them. 
Don't make the mistake of waiting until your wife is sick to pray with her. You know, I would say to you this morning, don't wait till your wife is sick till you pray with her. You know, pray with your wife. Uh, pray, pray with uh, your spouse. Make that a priority. Um, I, I shared some uh, quotes from Leonard Ravenhill about prayer, that no man is greater than his prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life. Uh, no husband is greater than his prayer life. No wife is greater than a prayer life. No pastor is greater than his prayer life. Uh, the people who are not praying are straying. And I would say to you, if you're married here today and you're not praying together, you're more prone to straying. If you'll pray together, you'll be less likely to stray. He goes on to say, there are many organizers, but few agonizers. There are many players and payers, but few prayers. Much fashion, but little passion. Fail here, we fail everywhere. We can get a lot of things right in marriage, but I believe if we fail to pray together, a lot of that's going to erode away. Uh, Steve Arneson uh, shared with us here in a sermon that he and I did together on marriage years ago how praying develops intimacy. And certainly, Lynn and I can give testimony to that, that, that praying together creates intimacy. Intimacy, again, that is spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, and physical intimacy. And in fact, Steve, uh, Steve warned us that morning when he spoke with me that if you're dating uh, together, that you don't pray together a lot because it creates so much intimacy. Pray occasionally together. You know, pray and slip in a first kiss, something like that. But, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but he said, be careful because it creates intimacy. And so, men, too many of you are trying to be players and not prayers. And I would suggest if you'll be a prayer, you'll be a better player. Now, take that for what it's worth, okay? All right. Um, in, fact, in fact, after we did that message, I had a, I had a wife, a, a wife come to me and say to me about three weeks later, says, Pastor Jeff, Thank you so much for that sermon on praying together with your spouse because now all my husband wants to do is pray. <laughs> anyway, so watch that, okay? Um, you know, we faced uh, many challenges in our marriage, uh, Lynn, and, 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 but also in our ministry here together. Yeah, we, we've also faced challenges in our ministry together. Uh, 23 years ago when we came here, we worked really hard to help getting this ministry off the ground, which took a lot of time and energy doing that. Um, more recently, during the Above and Beyond Capital Campaign and this subsequent building program, it took a lot of time and energy, your time and energy on that, but it wore both of us out. Yeah. yeah, I think we have to realize that, you know, all that we're doing in ministry is, you know, is impacting both of us. And, yeah. and uh, we were blessed uh, this morning, we, we parked on the, on, the, on the east end up here at the old sanctuary and because it was raining and came in the back door and got to walk through the old sanctuary where we started 23 years ago, walked by my office uh, where we started out and uh, just remembering, you know, th this didn't happen without a lot of, lot of energy and a lot of effort and a lot of challenge and a lot of prayer. And, and yet uh, uh, God's been faithful through it all and you, you've been faithful through it all. And, uh, you know, you, a lot of times I get a lot of pats on the back and but I couldn't do what I do without you. And I would, I would ask you just to affirm that for Lynn, that, 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 that what I do, she makes it possible for me to do. So. Um, we, we have a, we're in the midst of a challenge right now, but also an opportunity. Our daughter came back to live with us, and so we're helping her raise our granddaughter. We had a, an empty nest for a few years. Which was wonderful. Which was wonderful. Uh, got used to that. It was great. But now we've had to readjust our lives around them. 
So we go through good times, but we also have some tough times too. So all these challenges that we've had uh, and challenges these folks are having in their marriage leads to conflict, right? Conflict? Anybody have any conflict? Come on now. Come on. Come on. Uh, uh, conflicts, because we, we come into the marriage with hurts uh, from our past, unhealthy baggage, our personalities uh, are different, our priorities are wrestling with that. And so we, we have these conflicts. I, Lynn and I came across this illustration uh, from uh, a great speaker, Andy Stanley. Some of you heard this, maybe seen this, but we want to use this as an illustration uh, to describe conflict and how we can get a better grip on it. Uh, this is Lynn right here, uh, beautiful in her pink. Uh, and this is me in my blue. Uh, I didn't pick these out, by the way. But anyway, uh, but uh, the, these mugs, cups represent our lives and our, 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 our relationship. You know, Lynn, when you and I were dating uh, all those years ago, I think our first date was at the Dairy Queen, right? First date. Uh, then we went to play putt-putt golf, I think. So anyway, uh, uh, had a milkshake and a hot dog. But anyway, uh, uh, but... Uh, but uh, we danced around a lot of things. You know, when you're dating, you dance around a lot of things. You know, you, you dance around things. You, you don't really, uh, you know, get into a lot of stuff, and, and uh, you don't bump into each other a lot. And you're real careful, right? When you're dating, aren't you real careful? You know, make a good impression, you know. You know, you put on a big smile, good face, you know. But then we got married, right? And, uh, uh, you know, the Lord led us 10 hours uh, from, your, from your home 500 miles away, from nice, sunny, balmy South Carolina to January in Kentucky with, 20 inches of snow. And, and so what happened was, is that we bumped into each other. And, 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 and we did it a couple times. And, and guess what? Stuff came out. <laughs> All kinds of stuff came out. And, and, and I looked at Lynn and I said, I didn't know you had that stuff in you. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I looked at you and said, I didn't know you were like that. <laughs> I, I didn't know you had anger issues. <laughs> I thought you were wonderful. That's right. I, I, I painted a pretty good picture of myself, I would say. Um, but, uh, um, but all of a sudden, you know, we, we started bumping each other, and stuff started happening, and stuff started happening, and, 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 and then you, you went and called your mom. Yeah. Uh, you he, know, didn't, he didn't know that I was calling her to ask her to send me a bus ticket because I wanted to go home. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Because this stuff came out, right? And, uh, um, and, and, and literally, let me just say, when Lynn went and called her mom, uh, it, she had to walk through the 20 inches of snow to get the pay phone to call her mom because that's, that's how it happened back in those days. Um, and so the reality is, is that before Lynn and I got married, um, I had all this stuff inside of me. It was just in there because of my past and because of sin in my life and just being human, right? And Lynn has some stuff in her. Now, again, if this was truly accurate, I had more stuff in me than you had in you, but it works better this way, right? Anyway, so, uh, but we both got stuff in us, and, uh, and, and we're going to have conflicts. And so a lot of the conflict is how we handle the stuff that's inside of us because it is going to come out when we start bumping into each other. So we want to give you real quickly this morning uh, some things that we've learned through the years and, and, and we, that we've, we're still working on and rules for fighting fair. You know, you're going to have some fights and you're going to have some conflict and, and there needs to be some rules. So real quickly, some rules. Number one, one of the best rules for fighting fair is do the internal work first. Uh, what does that mean? It is, is do a fact check. Uh, pay attention to what's inside of us. Begin to learn what's inside of us. Proverbs 4.23, a great verse uh, here of Scripture. It says, uh, guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines 
the course of your life. Guard your heart. All of us have got, now the word heart here means your emotions, uh, your feelings, uh, what's inside of you. You need to know what's inside of you. I need to know what's inside of me. Because when, whenever you fall in love and you get into a very close relationship, uh, what's inside of you is going to come out. And you need to know, I need to know what's inside of me. So do a fact check. Um, the ability to stay in love has as much to do with the condition of your heart, your heart, your heart, as it does the behavior of your spouse. Too oftentimes we want to blame the problems in our marriage on the behavior of our spouse when we've not looked at the condition of our heart. What's going on inside of me that I need to work on instead of immediately looking at you saying, hey, you're driving me crazy and you're making all this stuff come out of me, right? You keep bumping into me and, you know, it's, it's, it's your fault. So uh, Stanley, when he talks about this, he does a great, great job on this, says um, that we men especially have a hard time with this. So let me talk to the men for a minute. We men have a hard time recognizing what's inside of us. Uh, we, we have a hard time saying it. And, and if we, have, we get in an argument or conflict uh, and, and the wife will say, what's the matter with you? We'll say, I'm just tired. Come on, man, are you with me? I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'm frustrated. What else? That's it, that's all I got. Tired, frustrated, right? Um, and I had to realize, it took me a while to realize that some of the stuff in me was caused by insecurity. Now, we men have a hard time saying, I'm insecure. Because we want everybody to think we're tough. But I got some insecurity in me that based on some things I went through growing up. I got some trust issues. You've never given me any reason not to trust you. But because of what's inside of me, long before I met Lynn, I got trust issues. And I know that now. And I've had to learn that. And so I've had to try to learn that, that whenever I get those feelings, whenever you bump into me and I start feeling that thing coming up, I need to recognize that's not you. That's me. And so that's the first thing is do, do a fact check. I mean, men, we have a hard time saying that. We have a hard time saying, men, that we're jealous. We know we're jealous, but we have a hard time saying, I'm just jealous. Or I'm scared. I'm scared that I might lose you. Or I'm really worried. Or I feel like a failure. Or I feel uh, betrayed or whatever it is. Men, can we kind of try to get in touch with what's inside of us? Because we all got stuff inside of us. And women, you have stuff inside of you as well. Um, and, and, and so get in touch with that. And so, so do the internal work. Name it. Say it out loud. Um, think this bead is, let me pick up a blue one here. This bead is about me and not about you. And so the first thing is do the internal work first. So what's the second thing? Second thing to do is um, to attack the problem and don't attack the person. I think of, of my beads. One uh, could be, for me, a lack of confidence. I have a lot of insecurity sometimes. Sometimes I have intimidation by you because you are so confident uh, with yourself. Sometimes that intimidates me. And especially when you asked me to do this, I had a lot of beasts <laughs> that I had to deal with to do this. But the goal here is It'll to... It'll be six more years before we're doing it. Thank you. <laughs> the goal here is to repair... Uh, our marriages, not to seek revenge. And I love what Andy Stanley went on to say that we women, let me speak to you women, should be our response when the husband or your husband has enough nerve to tell you really what's going on inside of him. We're to say something like, I'm so glad you told me that. And then 
ladies, when your husband gets that nerve to tell us, we don't need we need to resist the urge to say, you shouldn't feel that way, or just got over that. Healthy couples, when they hear that that's something that they're doing to cause the feelings that their spouse reacts to negatively, we need to acknowledge it, women, and we need to commit to stop doing it. So attack the problem, not the person. And that, that's really important. I mean, that we not attack the person. Fighting fair, you attack the problem. You give each other the benefit of the doubt. You don't assume the worst uh, about your spouse. You know, that you don't jump to a conclusion. You know, that's why I don't like texting when Lynn and I are having a disagreement because you, you jump to conclusions because you can't see a face. All you can see is words. Uh, try to listen more than you try to be heard. Uh, that's something I got to work on. Uh, because <laughs> I tend to be more verbal. Uh, Lynn needs to be less. You need to talk more. Uh, I need to talk less. So we're working on that. Uh, remember that Jesus is in the room with you. If you want to fight fair, remember that Jesus is in the room with you. And you know how that works, right? You know how that works. You're in the middle of, of an argument, discussion, and the phone rings. And you go, hey, hello, how you doing? And it just makes your spouse mad. because goes, where'd that, where'd that tone come from, you know? You were just mad and speaking bad a minute ago. Now you're all nicey-nicey, you know? When you hang that phone up, you can get, you know. But anyway, so just think, think that Jesus, believe that Jesus is with you. And then something that we try to do, Lynn, that uh, helps us a little bit sometimes. Yeah, sometimes unintentionally, but it works. Uh, humor, remember humor, can ease the tension of a situation. We're learning to sometimes look at a situation and just laugh about it. And, uh, and not laugh at each other. Not laugh at you each know, other, but laugh Don't do that, guys. Don't, 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 make sure you write this down right. We're not saying laugh at your spouse. <laughs> We're saying laugh with your spouse, okay? So find some humor. Uh, another, another great point as we wrap these up is prayer is always a great way to end a conflict. Is pray together. Pray together. Pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. And then don't avoid counseling. Uh, I, I want people, we want people out of this series to want to fight for your marriage. Fight for your marriage. Talk to someone. Uh, seek out help. Let, let's, let's make marriages strong in our church. We want to close uh, today by, I want to thank Lynn for doing this uh, three times this morning and uh, not what you wanted to do, and I know I owe you big time, you know. So, uh, uh, but, uh, but we want you to know that, that, that we're celebrating uh, 39 years together of fruitful, happy marriage and ministry together. You know, you saw a little bit of glimpse of that in the video. Um, you know, 23 years here at the church has truly been a great journey. Uh, we've met so many wonderful friends and families in the church that have stood with us and walked with us. Uh, 10 years in Conway, we still have close friends from Conway. Uh, three years in Missouri, we still have close friends in Missouri. Even before Missouri, one of the neat things about being in marriage and ministry is you make lifelong friends. And we have lifelong friends that we have throughout our, our history together. Uh, we've made wonderful choices as a couple. We celebrate those choices. Um, again, we just want to thank all of you who have been a part of our lives and a part of our marriage. You know, what's blessed us, especially in the last probably 10 to 12 years, uh, is small group ministry and getting involved in a small group as a couple. It's helped us a lot uh, as we've come around other couples uh, who uh, have strengthened our marriage. And hopefully through our marriage, we've strengthened other people's marriages. Uh, so I would encourage you, you're not in a small group or a Sunday school class, uh, to get involved in something like that uh, as a couple. And, and, and again, I would encourage you to find good Christian friends as couples and do things that are godly uh, and, and honor God with your, with your friendships. Uh, you know, we need our friends to hold us accountable. Uh, you need friends to hold you accountable in marriage. 
So we've been, it's been great to be with you. I want to, let's stand out here. I want to, I want to uh, close with a quote that I came across and uh, something that I think rings true for all of you today that are married. And if you're not married, maybe one day you will be. Our marriage has had some tears, a lot of smiles and some great memories, but you know, tears dry up and smiles fade, but the memories live on forever. So our prayer is that you will today begin to build great memories uh, in your marriage. And Lynn and I want to pray for you right now. Gracious God, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for folks gathered here this morning. Father God, for those whose hearts have been broken by divorce or by death of a spouse, I pray you bring healing and you bring wholeness and health. And I pray that you would uh, guide them into the next chapter of their life. And I thank you that you love all of us unconditionally. And you cover us with your grace and your mercy. I pray for married couples right now. Lord God, I pray you would strengthen marriages in our church. I pray that you would help those couples right now who are contemplating divorce. Lord God, that you would bring an incredible measure of grace, mercy, and help. That they would listen to the Holy Spirit. And you would guide them through these rocky times. Lord God, be with strong marriages and make them even stronger. And Lord, help us to make sure our priorities are right. That we would honor you first. That we would not let idols get in the way of our walk with you or our walk with our spouse. So bless our time together today. Bless what's going on all across this church as we seek to glorify you with our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, Lynn, it's 1201. We did really, really well. Um, we're going to sing one verse, Jack, of a great song that Lynn and I sang in college uh, in our group together. And uh, it's one of my favorite all-time songs. And, it, and, it, and I would just ask you if you're married today. Uh, if you're with your spouse today, that you would grab her hand, his hand, and sing with Jack, Precious Lord, take my hand. Bring him into the mix. Bring him into the relationship. Make him a priority in your life. And, and don't be a player. Be a prayer. Okay? Let's stand together and sing.